Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of the Remove the Guesswork podcast with me, Leanne Spencer. Before I get into this week's show, and um, we've got a really good one for you again this week, I just want to talk to you about a few things that we offer to you completely free of charge as part of our core value, which is to help first. So the first thing is we have a, a private members group on Facebook called The Green Room. So many of you may have liked our Body Shop Performance page. If you haven't, just put Body Shop Performance Limited into Facebook and you'll find it. And on there, there are lots of videos, there's free content. We link to other people's content if we think it's valuable. We post relevant TED Talks. Um, but in the private members group, which is called The Green Room, it's much more interactive. So it's a place you can come in and talk about what's going on for you, share ideas across the group, get ideas from other people. And we, we pre-record a lot of content and we do a lot of Facebook Lives on there that you get before anybody else. So that's a great place to go to start with, which is Facebook. If you jump onto our website, bodyshopperformance.com, we also have a health IQ quiz. Uh, enter that. It takes you through about 24 questions, takes between two to three minutes to do in total, so it's very quick. And at the end of that, you get a score. And we back that up with a 15-page report that tells you how you can optimise your mind, your body, and your well-being. And all of that you can have completely free of charge. Once you've done that, we'll contact you. And if you like, you can take a 30-minute discovery session with one of our health experts. So there's loads there. If you sign up for our newsletter, we send you a monthly newsletter and a weekly blog. And the blog is typically around our six signals methodology. So we look at sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. So there's tons of stuff there for you that we'll just give you entirely free of charge, just so we can help, so we can give you lots of free content. And hopefully that's something you can take away and, and make meaningful use of. Uh, so to this week's guest, this week I'm talking to Nick Elvery. Um, Nick is a peak performance coach and he's got an incredible backstory. He was expelled from school, which he eventually left at uh, uh, 17. He took on a series of odd jobs before sinking into a 12-year drug and alcohol addiction. And after hundreds of failed attempts to get clean sober, he finally had the tenacity to, to kick that for good. And has now used really those, um, those skills and that experience to become a peak performance coach. So he knows what it takes to give things up. He knows what it takes to, to have to keep going in the face of adversity. It's a really great story and it really does inform a lot of the work that he does now. So we also talk about some of the, the challenges that Nick's clients face and they're typically stressed out and overwhelmed entrepreneurs who want to really jumpstart performance both in their business life and their personal life. And we share lots of tips around sleep, around performance, about how you can focus and fine tune your health so that you can perform better in any aspect of your life. So this is Nick Elvery. I hope you enjoy the show. Nick, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm great, Leanne. Thank you ever so much for having me on. Good. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, tell us a bit about what you do now. Let's start there. Okay, so I'm a peak performance coach. I work with the stressed out entrepreneurs who are time poor, who are overwhelmed, anxious, not quite sure where to go, have lack of clarity. And basically, I give them an ability to really get clear on what they want to achieve and adopting all the principles that I teach around, um, around nutrition, around uh, all the sorts of things that I was taught when I was a PT, but all the stuff that I've learned from biohacking and all the other industries to so basically allow that entrepreneur to really perform at a higher level than they've ever, ever, you know, ever achieved before. And mm. um, we'll touch more on, you know, what, what I do exactly within, within the conversation, I'm sure. But sure. fundamentally, it's about helping them 
go from being stressed and overwhelmed or overwhelmed to performing at a high level to get what they want done in their business. Yeah, brilliant. I think that will resonate with a lot of people listening. Um, you weren't always a fit and healthy, and uh, I, I could see you obviously, but our listeners can't, but Nick is a very fit and healthy guy. Uh, that wasn't always the case, was it? Which is something you and I have got in common. But take us back to whatever point started in the middle, perhaps, and uh, you know, where, where have you come from? Okay, um, so yes, you're right. I wasn't always exactly the picture of health as I am today. Uh, my, my life really for about 12 years consisted of heavy drug and alcohol abuse, basically. I was a full-blown addict and alcoholic um, for, for around 12 years. And it, it's a classic story of starting smoking a joint with friends in the bushes at, uh, at school and then sort of just going off until sort of using crystal meth in Cambodia on my own for three or four months and, you know, the tail end of that and sort of everything in between. Um, the only thing I, I never got into was injecting. For some reason, I was given the absolute phobia of needles, thankfully, uh, yeah. from, from a very young age. So I never got into that side of it, but I tried everything else, um, you know, everything I could possibly do. And it's been a really, really interesting learning curve because going through that sort of um, journey, you destroy friendships, you destroy relationships with your, uh, you know, with your family, and you destroy your health and destroy everything with it. It's like a absolute self-destruct mechanism mm. you know you push that button and you don't look back yeah um so it's been a really really interesting journey and if, the fascinating thing is i've always had this underlying passion for peak performance health and being the best version of you but obviously those two really don't work in union that you know being a full-blown addict and, and trying to be the best version of yourself is a total contradiction mm. as you, you're probably well aware so it's been fascinating that there's always been this sort of underlying urge to want to be the best version of myself, but it's always been sort of, um, you know, covered with this uh, heavy addiction and not being able to sort of see it, you know, grow roots and actually and let it grow. But it's mm. only been the last, coming up to six years, in June the 19th, it'll be six years. Um, everyone that's been on our journey knows yeah, exactly congrats. the date. And then, uh, yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. You're slightly ahead um, of me. Um, oh, really? Years, what, what's six your... years, first of April. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. All right. I, yeah, I, I so used it's... to say 31st of March, but my mother reminded me that I was still drunk on the 31st of March. <laughs> but it was the last day that I was drunk. So 1st of April is the date. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but congratulations, absolutely. that's phenomenal. No, well, thank so, you. And likewise, you know, it's, it's, it's an incredible journey. And it's, it's interesting because I don't think I would actually change any of it. Now, it's a bold statement to say because there's obviously a lot of things that I did that I wasn't proud of at the time. And I, I caused a lot of people stress myself, my family, my friends, all sorts of people, you know, when you're in that, that mindset, your one thing is to get drugs, use drugs, sleep, and then do it all over again, or sometimes not sleep, depending on what's going on, but mm. you get my point, right? So coming out the other side of that has really given me a pers different perspective on life. One that I'm really, really proud about, really excited about because you know, to give you a little bit more of a backstory, my dad had MS for my entire life. So watching him go through having MS and deteriorating from someone, you know, a great man who was head of, you know, sales in his department, did incredibly well globally and did all sorts of wonderful things to not being able to fend for himself and going and watching that and watching him pass away a few years back and having everything that I went through. And I'm sure a big part of my escape, well, I know a big part of my escape was to escape the whole the like, sort of family thing and, and everything that that brought with it having all of that and coming out the other side and transforming to where I am now and doing what I do now 
gives you a totally different paradigm of life. What for one that I am very, very grateful for in a lot of ways. Mm. Have you been able to, um, to understand in hindsight some of the things that drove those negative behaviours? Because it's difficult at the time sometimes to know what it is you're running from or towards. I think, I think, you know, the classic who you spend the most time with really has a very big impact when you're younger. Mm. And I think, you know, I, I naturally gravitated. I was the school clown. I was the rebel. I got, you know, expelled from school uh, 16 for selling drugs to the sixth formers. You know, that was the first sort of soiree into entrepreneurship, if you yes, like. That's what I was and so I was, yeah, so I was always always interested in, in entrepreneurship and, and, and building an empire of some description, but my roots were always just like, I want to be a bit of a bad boy and have a reputation. So it sort of went down that path. So I think it started that way, but I think things like that, is, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of ego involved when I look back with wanting to be the best and wanting to seem to be, and I was always the one that could handle a lot more drugs than everyone else. And that was my sort of MO, you know, that was my sort of default um, not my default, but my sort of my character, if you like. And I looked up to that. I looked up to the fact that I was, I was Nick who had a lot of drugs and could do a lot of drugs and was seen to be the person to be with and was the life and the soul of the party and mm. all that sort of stuff. So there's, there's a huge amount going on there. But I think also along the way, it's the whole escaping. Yeah. You know, you don't do the amount of drugs that I did and not have some form of something you're trying to run away from. Right. And I think with the the whole experience of my family, my dad, and everything else that was going on, it just it's just the, the perfect perfect sort of combination, the perfect storm, if you like, of everything that was going on at the time. Um, and it just accumulated into, into what my life became. Right? Yeah. So it was 12 years of, of pretty steady, heavy drinking, drug taking. Were you working at the time? I presume you probably were. I mean, I... I, I left sc school, I sort of didn't really attend school much at all, so I don't know if I actually left, but um, I left when I was about 17, I, start, I started work about 17 and 18, but having a full-blown drug addict a habit and trying to maintain and sustain jobs, I, it's not it's not the, the ideal concoction by any stretch of the imagination. So I did labouring, I, I did bar work, I was a white van driver for a time, I, was, I worked in IT, I worked in recruitment sales, you name it, I've probably done it for at least five minutes at some point in my life. Mm. And that was typically how my life was always always jumping from one thing to the other. I had five businesses that I ran that all failed, um, you know, because I always had this inner drive for wanting to produce and create an entrepreneurial type affair. Um, but trying to build anything like that on a, on a foundation of addiction yeah. is just a disaster. Yeah. And I relate completely to that. And, and I always had a deep interest in health and fitness and other things and wanted to do things and explore. But as your addiction grows, it is the only, you know, you can't have a relationship with anything else, whether it's with a business or with an individual or an animal or anyone. It's all mm -hmm. about that, that addiction. That is your dominant primary relationship. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I really empathize or relate to that, that dichotomy of being very interested in health, fitness and performance yet hamstringing yourself on a nightly basis with drink and drugs. It's a complete contradiction. But and I, I kind of had the same thing. And when I gave up six years ago, it felt as though I just unshackled myself from the burden of carrying this, this addiction around that was holding me back and slowing me down. And, and it's incredibly liberating once you can really come to terms with that. But, but what was your moment of truth, if you like, or your, uh, your epiphany or your rock bottom, call it what you will? So it's, it's a really interesting question. It's one that obviously a lot of people ask me and I had a lot of rock bottoms in my life, you know, uh, I mean, doing a lot of cocaine and, and, and a bit of crack and all those sorts of things like the, 
the sort of psychosis that comes with it and the paranoia. And I remember standing in my bedroom, looking out on my balcony, sure that someone was trying to get in, you know, way, laying awake all night, you know, that, that, those sorts of moments uh, really make you reflect on, on life. But actually the moment that everything turned for me wasn't like a being chased on a motorbike in Cambodia by crystal meth uh, dealers and stuff like that, which happened. It was, it was actually just realizing how bad it had all got. Mm. Like starting to see the impact of it was having on my life, the people around me, the people I supposedly cared about, like my parents, my brother, and all the people in my life. And actually getting a realization around that. And I did some, I did some self-development work with a business um, you know, for about four years. And through that, through a conversation that sort of came out the other side, that that realization that my life had got that bad. And it was, you know, it was the first three steps in the 12-step program that really sort of cemented that home for me of mm. realizing that I can't control what I'm doing, like not, not in the state that I was in. And, it, you know, I was powerless to that, which is obviously a big part of the first you know, three steps. Yeah. Um, and that really sort of gave me, gave me the transition. Yeah. And I remember the first step very clearly. I, I don't remember the, you know, all, of the, all of the 12 steps, but that my life would become unmanageable and I was powerless to alcohol, or perhaps it's the other way around. Mm. But... Uh, I think, yeah, it's the first step for a reason. You have to be able to admit that. So were you completely accepting of that then? Had you act- had you absolutely had enough? Uh, I guess yeah. you had the yeah. last time because it was the successful. Yeah, I mean, I did rehab before. I did a 12, I think it was 12-week program at Clouds, uh, years and years years before that. And I wasn't ready. And I didn't say a single word in any of our group sessions. It was an in-house 12-week, you know, proper... 12-step program and we had you know group sessions every day and I, I literally said nothing the entire 12 weeks and then went out and the first day I got out I was drinking again because mm. you know, I was I wasn't ready yeah. um, and I think that that's the number one thing you've got to want it up here in your head and you've got to you've got to yeah you've got to know that you've got a real problem and it's, it's time to change it yeah yeah and I, th- I think um, if you can survive it it's inevitable really there's going to be diff- several iterations of getting clean and sober before hopefully you, you decide i absolutely have had enough there isn't any ambivalence there's not two percent of me that thinks i might be able to drink socially again which is just mm. a laughable idea um yeah. but once you've, you've kind of I, for me i came to a crossroads where there was one route and i just wasn't taking it it's as simple as that and the other route was leave the job uh leave the city altogether not that i'm blaming that but i don't think I've, i think i'd have struggled to get sober still in the city um and completely start from scratch really um, and, and I spent a, a spell in rehab as well. I did six weeks in a treatment centre in Lowestoft, which I really enjoyed, actually, bizarrely, um, just because it gives you the structure. Yeah, I think when, you, yeah, I think when your head, anything. yeah, when your head's there, when your head's in the right place, then I think it can become enjoyable. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you've got you've got to have your head there. And I've seen so many people through rehab and through life in general that uh, will tell you on one hand they've had enough, but you can tell yeah. just by listening to them that they're not they're not ready they're yeah. not there i mean I, I gave up twice before the third time which was the successful time so i think um, i probably gave up a hundred times in total if not more you know in my head at least <laughs> i mean the fortitude required to go through a hundred relapses is astonishing i mean i'd say you probably not that it's a competition but the strength required to go through that many failures and yeah. still press on is astonishing it's one of my favorite words in the world is tenacity yeah and i have i have bounds of it and i you know we can go into the conversation about nurture over nature with regards to where that comes from whether it's genetic or whatever and frankly i don't know if, mm. i don't know the answer to that and i don't think anyone does but 
one thing that's taught me is, and it's the same with entrepreneurship, which is why I love entrepreneurship so much, is because it's all about tenacity. Mm. It's all about not giving up. It's all about being flexible and changing and adapting on a dime and, and going going again and then getting struck down and then going again and getting yeah. struck down and going again. And that's yeah. that's the journey. And I know you can sympathize and empathize with that because I'm sure well, any entrepreneur has been through that multiple yeah. times. This is great. I think, Sorry, go on. Go on. No, no, it's gone. You're going to say. Uh, I was just going to say, there's this, this picture where you've got a sort of high, a, a, a zigzag of highs and lows, and the high is your winning new client, the low is a VAT bill, high is deliver TED Talk, low is corporation tax bill, high is a <laughs> former joint partnership, low is lose the client, you know, and that's, it's just, that could be a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah, yeah. It, could, it could be quite a close period. Um, so yeah, it's a real up and down, but let's come to that then. So what was your yeah. entrance into entrepreneurship? Um, well, I mean, it, entrance, real entrance was selling uh cigarettes back at college yeah. at school we um we had the white filtered cigarettes the marlboro ones and we used yeah. to be able to charge like twice as much because of the white filter i mean they're exactly the same bloody product uh you know that that was my thing i was i was i was always interested in 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 sort of making money but never really did because of all the habits that i had built up over the year with the addictions and everything like that i, I remember going to an airport once we were on a school trip and uh they said they, I, I passed my boarding pass and said, oh, how many cigarettes can I buy per boarding pass? And they said, oh, we well, can only have one, you know, one 200 per boarding pass. And I said, right, so if I theory, if I come back with 30 boarding passes, I can have 30 boxes. Like, well, technically, obviously on a school trip, so I went around and grabbed everyone's boarding pass, came back, slapped them down the desk, <laughs> gave them cash for, for 30, you know, 30 boxes. So I've always had this this sort of drive to, to create something. Yeah. It's just always been directed in a different way. Um, so my journey was really just about uh, exploring that. And over the years, I've done different businesses. I was partnered in a pest control business. I, I did an IT business was one of my first ones. I've done all of them, you know, not all of them, but I've done a lot of them. Um, and coming out the other side and seeing now, the fundamental thing that stops an entrepreneur, I think, is themselves. It's about them getting in the way of themselves. And I'd love to write a book one day called that, you know, get out of the way because mm. It, primarily it's a lot of it's our our conversation in our head you know having a really bad internal dialogue and especially coming from a you know depression all those things that come with a lot of drug use like before you know your your internal dialogue is rubbish and mine was mm. you know and i used to go down that depressive route that was i was either anger or depression and that was that was typically how i went mm. so for me it's really about figuring out the human being and you know this subject very well having been on my podcast you know last week um you know that the how the human works in a really really fundamental way and how the modern world really isn't designed or being built for us to perform in a, in a very effective way at all hmm. um so for me what fascinates me about this subject is taking someone who is not performing very well and getting them really clear about what they actually want to achieve, removing all the superfluous crap that they think is appropriate and needs, you know, needs to be there, and focusing them and getting them dialed in and actually getting them close to their dreams, or if not, realizing their dreams and their potential. Mm. And do, you, do you focus purely on mindset? Do you look at all the other aspects that somebody needs to be fit for the rigors of business, for, for entrepreneurship, whether they're working for a corporate for someone else or running their own business? They're, Different but similar set of challenges. What, sure. what are some of the other things you look at? What are some of the other things you think are important? I think it's always got to be a holistic approach. Hmm. If you look at one aspect alone, you're only going to get a small percentage of the performance increase. So if we take diet, for example, we both know that a diet is a very important aspect of performing well, being healthy, being fit. 
but without having sleep or stress management or the mindset to not listen to that voice when it's telling you you don't know what you're doing, then you're only going to get a certain amount of increase in performance. Whereas if you start looking at all of them, and I work on the basis of building foundations first. So for me, sleep is absolutely paramount. It's not sexy to talk about it. And people always go, well, I know I should sleep. But actually, if they understand the biological impact and the performance and productivity impacts of having bad quality sleep, then they start to experience a bit more of a, uh, a realization of why it's important. So it's, it's sleep, it's stress management. I mean, we live in a world where we are constantly bombarded our mobile phones, uh, you know, constantly ringing and beeping and vibrating. And that puts a nervous system reaction. We're constantly on fight or flight. I know you use the, um, the aura ring for mm. HRV and checking heart rate variability and all these sort of stress responses that you can, you can monitor nowadays. I think what people don't realize is that their sympathetic nervous system is firing virtually all the time for a lot of people. Mm. And for people that are listening, the sympathetic nervous system is basically your fight or flight. It's when the tiger is attacking you, you know, back in the, back in the sort of caveman days, the tiger's attacking you. And there's a real genuine reason for you having to use fight or flight, run away or try and kill this animal that's about to kill you. The modern environment, unfortunately, triggers that response all the time. You can get an email from your boss and instantly you get a surge of adrenaline, like mm -hmm. thinking, you know, a bit of anxiety and a bit of stress or your phone will ring or whatever it is. We live in a world now where that gets triggered and fired all the time. Yeah. So bringing that back and retraining the nervous system through using feedback like the HRV from your ring or what other method you're going to use. And I do a lot of meditation and mindfulness practices throughout the day which you can retrain your nervous system over time and bring back. So to answer your questions, to round it off, it has to be a holistic approach, I believe. And you have to get the foundations built first, which is stress, which is sleep, which is diet and exercise. And then you can start, in my opinion, having a look at the other additional things. Because you know, both of us being involved with the biohacker world, there's a whole magical world out there of tech and supplements and gadgets and this that you can use but actually, a lot of the times it's about just coming back to the basics, removing a lot of the superfluous stuff that doesn't actually add much and actually may even impede mm. and giving you a foundation that you can really launch off. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, I want to come back to sleep. Uh, I was just going to add in there. Have you noticed that Serena Williams is now running an ad campaign with Temper Mattresses? Um, it's running here in the UK. I have seen that. Yes. Yeah, and there's um, they've got one image where they basically split her in, in in half, and the bottom half of her is actually is is curled up in bed, and the top half is playing a shot, but the body the body looks the right. same as though she was playing the tennis shot. If you see what I mean. So they're making that very clear by juxtaposing sleep and performance. They're making it very clear, and I don't think it's just an advertising mm. thing. I absolutely think sleep drives performance. You know, we call it the force multiplier. Call it what you will. It's, it's very difficult to have a conversation with you about your mental acuity, your performance, your cognitive performance, your fitness, any aspect of health really, if you're sleep deprived. Because we're working against your hormones, we're working against a whole lot of things, and you probably haven't even got the headspace to think about this stuff, to think about a holistic health, holistic health program. If you're sleep starved, you're probably just thinking, how can I get some refined carbohydrate, and when can I get home? So I, it's absolutely the first thing. And I think that the tide is turning a little bit with sleep. People are starting to appreciate the value of it. Um, there's a lot more talk all about it. Some good, good books published on it. Matthew Walker's Why We Sleep, I'll link to in the show notes. Um, Nick Littlehouse's little book uh, called Sleep, which is a really good one as well. 
Um, Sleep Smarter by... Um, Sean Stevenson. Okay. Yeah, that's a very, yeah. very good book. Oh, that's one of my favourites. Yeah, that is a good book. And I'll link to all three of those in the show notes if you're listening in. Um, so what kind of what kind of approach do you take? It's a holistic health approach, but how do you, how do you work directly with people? So the first thing I do um, is a 60 minute call with someone. So I don't just take new clients on because they want to work with me. I'll sit down and have a 60 minute chat with them. And, and from that, I can gauge pretty much straight away what needs to be done because you, you can just have a conversation and talk about sleep and talk about their habits because I'm a big believer it's all about habits, right? My, my website, dailyhabits.co.uk is structured in that way. It's, it's all about what we do on a daily basis that really makes a big difference for uh, ultimately what, what we do, what we achieve in life. So it's it, having long-term goals is good, but actually it's our daily habits that makes whether we get to our goals or not. Um, so yeah, I mean, sleep is sleep is absolutely uh, critical for that. So I will always start there with someone, and work out what of the foundations are working and what aren't, and let's see what we can put in place. So it's always going to be custom to the human being, like nutrition. You know, you and I have a very similar opinion on that one diet does not fit all, and anyone that tells me that instantly, yeah, you know, there's 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 something wrong there, in my opinion. Um, so from a one-to-one -one basis, it's very much about just figuring that person out, working out what's working, working out what's not working. And a lot of the times, actually, it's not about putting more in. It's about taking stuff out that isn't helping. Yeah. So, you know, the whole biohacking world is about removing sort of toxins and, and those environmental stresses and that sort of stuff. Um, but again, it's not just about diet, exercise, sleep or stress. Let's have a look at your relationships. Who are you spending the most time with? The classic, you know, that you spend the most time with the five people you spend the most time with in turn creates you, or however that yeah. saying goes. Yeah, All of these sorts of things are very, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been passed down for, for generations and generations, that particular saying, and it's very, very true. You know, you spend your time, my old counselor used to say a great thing, you spend enough time in a hairdresser's, you'll get a haircut. <laughs> right, and he's... He's totally right. You spend enough time with drug addicts, you'll probably become a drug addict. Yeah. Or at least start experimenting down that route. So for me, your network, you know, they say your network is the net worth and all these sorts of things. And I think there's a lot of merit to that. You know, mm. who you spend time with consistently. And it's a very good exercise because a lot of people in life will say, yeah, I know that with anything when it comes to sleep, when it comes to this. But actually do the exercise and actually check in with yourself what's going on because you can dismiss these things for being very simple a lot of the time. But actually when you go, okay, hold, hold on, who are the fine people I spend most time with? Right, Tom, Jake, Susan, Sophie. Oh, hold on, are any of those people in line the goals that I'm looking to achieve? Well, not really, mm. you know, and then you start to formulate a pattern. And for me, awareness is everything, mm. you know? You can only change something if you're aware of it. So getting an awareness around all of these aspects of what's going on for you then gives you that idea, uh, you know, it gives you the ability to actually put a strategy in place to change it. Yeah, absolutely. It's back to the step process really, isn't it? Even though you may not articulate it as such. Um, okay, cool. Uh, what, what kind of issues are people coming to you with? What is, um, if, you, if you have a typical client, what kind of things are they normally presenting with? Modern, the modern client for me is, uh, well, I mean, the client for me in the modern world is what I mean, is stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, and they're looking at this mountain of work they've got in front of them, right? You know, being an entrepreneur isn't, isn't a, um, 
it's such a saturated market. There's so many people out there trying to carve their way through life that mm. it just becomes overwhelming. You know, what social media channel do I use to actually get myself out there? How do I get new clients? All of these questions. And then you've got to balance your life, your fitness, your health. And then also there's the whole thing of being an entrepreneur can be very lonely. You know, it's, you know, sat in, a, sat in your office at home or not really involved in communities and trying to get all this stuff done. So I think the main thing is lack of clarity around what they need to be doing with themselves and managing their stress and overwhelm and anxiety. And that's where for me, a lot of the meditation and mindfulness really plays a huge part. I mean, I meditate for an hour every day and have done for the last pretty much 10 to 11 months, nearly a year now. And that's changed my sort of personality from being angry or depressed to just being happy or sort of calm uh, sorry, being calm and being excited. So mm. being a very different type of personality. Mm. So um, I think really the main thing is, yeah, is the lack of clarity, the overwhelm, not sure how to deal with it. And then that's where I come in is I can have a look at the, the overview picture of what's going on for that client right then and there and say, right, okay, let's strip away all of this. Let's take this, you know, the 2080, the 80-20 rule, whatever, sort of phrase you want to use let's take this little bit here that's actually making a difference to your life mm. and let's just take the pressure off because what a lot of entrepreneurs do is they and you know I, I can easily fall into this trap myself is you put way too much pressure on it's like right i'm going to be an author i'm going to be the top podcast i'm going to because you know typically entrepreneurs are uh, a type personalities a lot of the time and they're driven and they want to go and they you know they they're, they're, they're on or off right mm. and it's about just stepping back taking stock of what's going on, figuring out what's working, what's not working, and actually putting attention. Because what I find is they focus on way too many things a lot of the time. Yeah. So they want to do a thousand things, but actually if you do five things really well, it's going to be way, way better and get you way, way further than it is going to try and focus on a thousand yeah. things. I, I, I mean, one of my philosophies, and it's a recent discovery, is just to see if I can get more out of doing less. Literally mm -hmm. doing fewer hours, doing less i've also got far more into minimalism so we mm. you know we recently moved stripped out a load of a load of junk a load of crap that i don't need um uh, and and that includes sort of looking at how i can live more considerately as well you know, bag for life everywhere i've got solar panels that were switched on this morning um recycling reusing making do amending which you know that kind of post-war philosophy if we don't need to replace it let's make it work um and that kind of thing, and that makes you feel pretty good. But it is all about, you know, you said removing all the super, super, superfluous stuff that we have around us. Um, and for entrepreneurs in particular, there's a lot of stuff that we need to be thinking about. There's a lot of stuff, even though there's a lot of apps and things that can save you time, but just stripping it down to what do I need? What are my objectives? And then to a degree for me, it was about slowing down a bit as well, changing the sort of entrepreneurs I looked up to who were typical kind of Dragon's Den type entrepreneurs. 18 hours a day, I'm on my Blackberry on my yacht. I'm always working. Actually, there's some more, if you like, heart-centered entrepreneurs that I look up to now who aren't all about smashing yourself to bits, um, yeah. that talk about being patient. And, and, and that, that's kind of made a big difference for me. They, they're trying to get more out of doing less and everything that sits behind that. Um, yeah. And interesting, it's just, just jumped into my mind about the social connections point that you just made around looking at who your clients are associated with. There's a TED Talk that I recently posted into our group, which I'll link to in the show notes, which is all about what are the... Um, the key things that indicate how long you're going to live uh, and it actually it's social connections is the main one mm. it's not even whether you smoke or not or drink or not or you know where you live it's your social connections 
that is the key to longevity. Uh, and I guess you've also got to be pretty healthy in the background, but it makes such a powerful difference, both in a negative perspective, if the people you're mixing with are, are, are just not ambitious or fun or they're negative, um, compared to, you know, if you're mixing with people that are positive and happy and content and joyful and kind. There's a, there's a, there's a really interesting point there. There's, um, I don't know if you're familiar with blue zones, but blue zones are yeah. parts of the world where the majority of people, you know, the large populations of centenarians are people that live uh, 100 years and older. Yeah. And there's one, I forget exactly where it is, I think it's near Japan, but there's a, a community of people there that do not fit the, the modern idea of a healthy looking person. Like they're overweight, they are, you know, their diet wouldn't be considered the best diet in the world. But if you look at their community and the relationships with their families and the children and how everyone chips in and there's a huge community and connective environment with it, one would possibly could argue the same point as you just made, mm. that actually there's, we, we in the modern world, we look at all these sort of things like diet and exercise, which are important and do play a role. But actually, when you break it down, have a look at these other populations, they're not going to the gym. They're not stressing about what their PR on the deadlift is. They're not even going, you know, they're not they're not worrying about these sort of modern things that we talk about a lot of the time. They're not worrying about their macro split or, you know, how much, you know, where they're getting their fats from or whatever. Yeah. Right. They're concerned about just being present with the people that they love and care about and helping them and giving back to the community. So I absolutely agree with you. I mean, it's very difficult to sort of. Um, gather data on that and actually sort of get you know get information around exactly what that's and how that's so impacting people but uh, it would not surprise me to say that if uh, if that was a you know a very important factor for, mm. for longevity for sure yeah absolutely well unfortunately we've run out of time i feel like we've just kind of scratched the surface on a lot of things but <laughs> nick thank you very much um uh, i welcome. will link to your podcast which is daily habits i believe uh, your website right, dailyhabits.co.uk is there anything else yep. that you'd like me to link to uh, and share so, with us uh, now all I would say is if you're listening to this and you are an entrepreneur who is stressed out, overwhelmed, you know, stuck and really not, not knowing where to go next, um, what I do offer is I do offer three 60-minute strategy calls. Um, I do three per month because my time is very, very uh, fragile. I've got, I haven't got much time these days. Um, so three a month. So if you go to dailyhabits.co.uk, uh, if you're looking on our computer, on the right-hand side, you'll see a little icon that says 60-minute strategy call. Just click that. Uh, book a slot that works for you, fill out a little questionnaire, and I say I select three per month that, that resonate the most with me, and we can, we can go through some strategies and really get you back on track with, uh, you know, with performing at a high level. There's also on there, there's a, this free MP3 uh, that I've created, which is an instant calming track. You can download for free. You, know, you just plug your headphones in, listen to that, and it takes you from being overwhelmed in about six minutes to being totally calm and relaxed. It's amazing. Um, I've actually got a free podcasting course on that site too, uh, which takes you from the beginning to the end of how to get a podcast live, uh, absolutely free. Um, so go and just check out dailyhabits.co.uk. Loads of great resources there. You've got all the podcasts. There's your podcast that was on there yep, a couple of weeks ago. Well. Um, yeah. So yeah, just head over to there. Um, and you know, I I love people emailing me. I love people contacting me. I've got an incredible Facebook group, which is. A small, tight-knit community that's growing really, really well at the moment. But for me, Facebook groups, a lot of them are just, right, let's just cram thousands of people in there and, and get, it's all about the numbers. For me, I message every single new person directly, have a conversation with them, figure out what it is they do as an entrepreneur, 
and really start to build a community of people that are together and helping each other. So mm. that's, um, again, just go to dailyhabits.co.uk, have a little look around the site and whatever resonates with you, just, just go ahead and click. Good, all right, well, that's where it's at, folks. Okay, Nick, thank you very much. No, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, help us to reach more people by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that and it would help us to spread the good word even further. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next show.